We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. We are in a series on faith, and there is so much to say. Today, we're joined by one of our coaches, Nicole Clifton, to talk about ex-evangelicals and faith deconstruction some of those ministry terms that I think many of us have heard about, but some may wonder what it all means. Well, you can learn more about Nicole over at restorationcounselingnoco.com forward slash Nicole dash Clifton. And of course, anything else you need to know about us on the same site or visit our digital laboratory site at restorylabs.com, the space to come alive via courses, memberships, webinars, and more. Here's our conversation with Nicole. Here at Restoration Counseling, we we work with a lot of clients who come in for some uh, for some level of abuse, and 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 what I mean by that is that some other person has caused harm in their lives, and the typical kinds of abuse that you might think of are like physical abuse in a domestic violence situation or a parent to child, um, sexual abuse, uh, some kind of emotional abuse, uh, financial abuse, any of those those kinds of things. But one of them that we've Actually, uh, we actually have a lot of people walking through is something more along the lines of spiritual abuse, where some level of spirituality has been used as a weapon of harm against someone. And Nicole, we're so glad to have you uh, on the podcast today because this is an area that you are uniquely gifted in and passionate about with regard to what that, what the effect of that spiritual abuse is in someone's life. So, Wondering if you can just give us a sense of uh, where you would begin in that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris and Beth. Um, So yeah, I think that when you are a person who's walked through your own faith deconstruction, um, you get a personal taste for what it's like to be in a very spiritual environment. Um, I grew up in church my whole life. Um, and then went to a very conservative college and then worked in Christian higher ed. So I've been in Christian spaces for a very long time. And so um, not only having to walk through my own journey, but getting to walk alongside a lot of other people, um, even just friends or maybe students that I was um, mentoring and coaching and just realizing, like you said, a lot of times when people think about abuse or harm that's done, people don't always make the connection that um that can happen in spiritual spaces. And unfortunately, it's actually a lot more common than people like to admit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, it has been a joy and a privilege because um, it is sacred ground when people come to the table and are willing to name harm that's been done to them, especially in spaces where they feel like most people don't want to hear about it, right? People, if other people are comfortable in church and have had a positive experience in religious spaces, Uh, A lot of times people don't want to hear about like, hey, this thing that I love, you've actually had a really opposite experience. And therefore, I kind of, you make me uncomfortable. Your sharing makes me uncomfortable and it minimizes people's experience. And so a lot of times that harm never even gets named really as spiritual abuse. And so if people are walking through faith deconstruction, it can really be a lonely process Mm -hmm. because if people are 
um, minimizing or dismissing their experience. Um, they can feel really invalidated. And so they have all this internal angst that's going on inside of them, harm that's been done that's not being addressed. And then they just feel alone because everybody else is like, well, I love church. I don't know what you're talking about. That pastor is great. That youth leader is great. They would never do anything like that. They would never say anything like that. They're not capable of something like that. This institution does other great things. So the both and, right, instead of it being a both and reality and trying to figure out the tension of holding both of those things, mm -hmm. um, a lot of time it's an either or situation where it's like, well, if I know they do this good thing over here or this organization does this good thing, then they also can't be capable of doing this other negative thing, right. which unfortunately is just if you branch out to any other conversation about abuse, um, most abusers are not terrible to everyone they interact with, right? They have other people that they, they function out in society. They have other positive relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, when I walk with people through faith deconstruction, one is just letting them know they're not alone and giving them that validation that a lot of times they've never had before or gotten in very few spaces. Um, and then the next thing we kind of do is pull apart this negative, um, these negative messages they received, the harm. We can talk about the stories and the stories that they've had to keep hidden because other people don't want to hear about them. Um, I'm willing to sit in that place with them and say, I can hold the both ends tension that other people may not be able to. Um, and recognize that, yeah, they may do these good things over here, but it doesn't mean that your hurt isn't valid or real. So you've, you've used the term a couple times, faith deconstruction. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, can you define what that is? What does that sure. even mean? Sure. So, um, faith deconstruction is basically when you have grown up in or been, been around coming into a faith system and adopted that faith system as your own and lived it out and in the culture, the community, believed those things. And then something starts to shift. Sometimes it's very gradual. Sometimes it's um, like a traumatic event or a significant life change, either for yourself or somebody important in your life that's very close to you. And it makes you start to re-examine all of these things that you believe your faith context. Um, so sometimes it's just a specific doctrine that maybe is the starting point. Um, maybe it is something about, um, you know, biblical interpretation, or maybe it's something about like evolution. I mean, there's a organized or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many categories of where it can start. Um, and some people go through various levels of faith deconstruction. So some people have some faith deconstruction that's just around a couple of areas. And they say like, hey, this is what I used to believe. And now I'm going to take the time to really, it's not a, it's not like a reactive rebellion. It's saying like, hey, this is troubling to me. I'm going to take some time to be intentional, to do my research, to think about it, to take this in front of me and kind of take it apart and reevaluate. Like, is this really what I believe? Is this what I want? Mm -hmm. um, and so some people do that with every part of their faith, right? And completely walk away and leave it all behind and say, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Some people reevaluate most of it and say, I'm going to keep a couple of things, but a lot of this can't, you know, if my faith is going to um, continue to exist, it can't exist how it existed before. It needs to be a different type of faith. And mm -hmm. I've changed my mind on a lot of things or doctrines or positions or whatever. Um, and then some people just do it about a handful of things, but then 
remain mostly in whatever their faith spaces that are familiar to them. I, I, I love the, the name deconstruction mm-hmm. uh, rather than destruction mm-hmm. because yes. it's, it's this intentional, thoughtful, slow process of reevaluation and, and in some ways, I would imagine kind of a realignment or, or maybe an alignment for the first time to who God, who God is, maybe versus who I've taught him to be, and really coming to know a deeper truth about him than maybe I've experienced in the past. And so it's not a like blow the entire thing up, uh, right? This destructive process. It's this deconstructive process to get down into what is the foundation that we've actually we've been built on and is that the foundation that is actually the true foundation I want to be built on and, and, and is that the true foundation of who God is. And, and when we talk about spiritual abuse, I feel like what ends up happening is that uh, the house, you know, the proverbial house has been built and spiritual abuse somewhere that someone in a spiritual authority or an organization or something has caused some level of destruction to the house that a reconstructive process needs to come in and rebuild in some ways where the abuse has destroyed. Uh, And that's what I love about the work that you do. Mm -hmm. So Nicole, tell us a little bit about what the reconstructive process might look like for someone who has, whose faith has been shattered, um, who maybe is is feeling jaded, cynical, uh, disillusioned, maybe recognizes God is God and the church is the church and, and they don't, they're not always one in the same. Um, how does someone who might have held on to a belief in God at the bare minimum come back into any sort of faith community or practice and begin to reconstruct all of that in their lives? Absolutely. That's a great question. And like you said, the hard part is that not everybody does walk away with a belief in God intact. You know what I mean? Some people's deconstruction process is to walk away completely. But um, I think that there are so many people who I have talked to who, like you said, at a bare minimum, like, I think I maybe still believe in God, but I have no idea what to do about anything else. And so um, the first thing that I was literally going to say you actually mentioned was to kind of help people differentiate, like... Can you separate what maybe you think about God and maybe what your experience of church has been? Um, because if we can help people say, if faith is still important to you and that's something that you want, we can talk about God independent of church when a lot of times most people have been like, in order for you to be a good Christian, you have to go to this specific church and you have to believe these specific things. Um, and I just think at the end of the day, God's so much bigger than the boxes that people put him in. And so if we can help people understand that, Um, and that there's not a checklist of requirements that, you know, maybe the church that you were in or that you grew up in said, like, this is what it means to be a good Christian. You have to do all these things just like we do. Um, if we can kind of help people pull those things apart and say, like, what checklist was handed to you that said, these are the requirements in order to be a good Christian. We can kind of talk through some of that stuff. Um, we can talk about, um, who are maybe relationships in your life who are still lingering that are connected to that old life of yours and maybe what boundaries work do we need to do to kind of talk through um, creating some safe space for you. There may be some people who maybe were people in your life for a season, which is hard and that involves grief and loss and helping people process, maybe saying goodbye to some old relationships that weren't healthy. 
But for a lot of people, there are still some people like their families who will always be their family. And so how do you set up healthy boundaries when you've shifted and they have not? Um, and then helping them find spaces to say, how can we help you find some safe spaces that maybe are still connected to faith? Um, so maybe that's more along the lines of like more progressive Christianity. Maybe there's um, even knowing in my own journey, like conferences or different writers or books that maybe might be more in line with your faith journey now. And it, it might be safer emotionally for you to engage with faith in these types of spaces, as opposed to maybe the faith spaces that you were familiar with. Um, and so I kind of, yeah, just kind of help people break that apart and help them pursue space um, that feels safe to them. Because I think a lot of us were told the messages as well that you could only find God in these specific ways. And if you can't jive with these, like you said, um, you know, Chris, at the beginning, if faith has been weaponized against you, if the Bible, for example, has been weaponized against you, it's really hard. That's a part of somebody's trauma. So to go back to that Bible and somebody say, well, you have to read the Bible for 30 minutes every day. And that's the only way you can be a good Christian. If that's a part of somebody's trauma, it's going to take some time for people to process through that and get some healing in that area. And I just truly believe that if you want to find God, you can find God outside of, or in addition to these other traditional spaces that we've been told. Mm -hmm. um, I think God is bigger than yeah, what people yeah. have said. Yeah. I think the, the term faith deconstruction is so, it's not new, but it's definitely more in your generation. Um, mm -hmm. Like in some ways, it's what 20, 30 years ago we would talk about in terms of just this, the faith journey. And everybody kind of goes through this period of reevaluating where they're at with doctrine and theology and spiritual practices and things like that. Now it's it's a whole kind of thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I find that it's just more of an like real persistent conversation mm -hmm. among young people. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes. Um, yes. And so I want to encourage those of us who have been in ministry or in church leadership for a long time or just super involved in the church to recognize that there are individuals all among us who are questioning, who are struggling with different aspects, different, you know, particularities of, of the practice in our church or the ways a certain thing is handled. Do not assume um, that that's, people are questioning everywhere yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so that would be one thing that I just, I know I, even some things have been assumed about where I am mm -hmm. on whatever spectrum it is we're talking about. And I feel like even, you know, I just feel like don't, don't assume. <laughs> oh, that's a huge thing. Everybody's faith journey is their own. Um, and so, like you said, there, people have always had doubts, right? So if there are certain pieces and elements, asking questions, having doubts that are a part of faith journey. And unfortunately there are some faith traditions that teach that doubt and questions are a bad thing. Um, and then there are other people who have grown up in a faith tradition where that's encouraged. And so I think depending on your background, that can be. Now, obviously, in my generation, um, you know, there wasn't always social media. There wasn't always, you know, hashtag exvangelical, like those types of terms and the gathering on social media and being able to connect with people who you've never met before, right, all over the country or all over the world. Um, that's 
different and new in this age of social media that maybe in the past, even if people were experiencing doubts or having questions, they couldn't connect to a broader audience of people. Um, and like you said, there's so much going on just in our world in general that I think is certainly connected to how people are engaging with their faith or the faith that they grew up in. And so um, I think that there are lots of people that are evolving or changing their minds about things or just wanting to have that humble heart of being a learner, right? If I say in general, that's a value of mine. I want to be a lifelong learner in every area of my life. That means at some point I'm probably going to grow or change my mind on something or whatever. And so sometimes for people that still fits within the confines of evangelicalism. And so it's just a part of their faith growth journey. Um, and then for some people, it really is this deconstruction process. And then they have to figure out like, okay, what of these, you know, if I'm taking apart my house, what pieces do I want to keep and take with me and build something new? Um, and what am I leaving behind? So, you know, I can imagine some of the listeners to the podcast are people in ministry, pastors, mm -hmm. uh, people in parachurch ministries. Uh, I imagine this conversation about faith deconstruction is quite uh, intriguing and upsetting at the same time, right? Yeah. Because I know that people in ministry are experiencing mm -hmm. others that are walking through this and, and, you know, wondering these things, having these kinds of doubts. But then, you know, a pastor uh, who's leading a church and elders who are leading the church, whatever it might be, that the leaders are, they are supposed to be giving some of the construction materials for people to actually build their house with, mm -hmm. right? And so the, th this this wrestling with some some of these deconstruction is like, well, I'm supposed to actually be, you know, I'm supposed to be the faith Home Depot, like come here and like, let me help you construct your house. Yeah. And there's some, some blueprints, right? Mm -hmm. There's some ways of actual construction that we've decided as a church as an organization, as a you know, faith-based organization or whatever, that this is how we've come to understand what it means to be a believer in these ways. Uh, and this conversation can be really uh, either threatening, scary, mm -hmm. uh, concerning, like what's gonna happen to the next generation of Christians in our country, in our country, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Um, that they might be experiencing some fear in the midst of this process. Nicole, what would you say to that pastor? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, and this just reminds me of the conversation that, uh, you know, another RC coach or spiritual counselor, Jeremy and I, we just did a whole summer series on redefining the conversation between ex-evangelicals and pastors. So if somebody is interested in that, that would be a great thing, I think, to go back and listen to. So that's restorylabs.com slash ex-evangelicals for anybody who's curious. Um, but I would just say to those pastors, like, I hear you. I understand that it feels scary. Guess what? In some ways, it's felt scary to us, those who have walked through deconstruction. So there's fear on all sides. And um, Keep in mind that, yes, if you're a pastor and ministry leader and somebody's coming to your church in some ways, like they're asking you for those construction materials. Um, but realize there may be situations actually, and if somebody's going through faith deconstruction, where they just need a human to human connection with you, like, hey, I love and care about you. I'm committed to doing life with you no matter where you land. And that's what people need to hear sometimes more than the faith building materials. And so I know when it's your prerogative or your hat or your lens, like this is my job and this is who I am all the time. It could feel scary for somebody to be like, Hey, take off your pastor hat. But 
sometimes that's what's needed is to maintain that relationship with that person is that for a while, maybe what they don't need from you is faith construction materials. Continue to build that rapport and that trust and let them share with you about their journey without offering suggestion or pause before you offer suggestions or input or Bible verses or books or Christian music or whatever. And just say, hey, do you want any feedback right now? Or do you just want me to listen? Mm -hmm. Because then you're building that trust and showing them, hey, I respect your boundaries, whatever they are. And I'm still committed to doing relationship with you. And so I think that is something that pastors could internalize and just take a deep breath and say, like, if you're truly in this relationship with this person for the long run, or are you in it with them in order to create an outcome? You're going to church regularly, you're attending this ministry, you're going to this Bible study. Is it outcome-based or is it long-term relationship-based? Because relationships go through seasons and relationships change and shift and they're not always what they once were. And so what does that look like in terms of your commitment and your interaction with that person? So it is okay to be afraid. I get it. Sometimes we're afraid too. Um, but it's the, are you committed to doing life with me? regardless of where I go in this journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying, just in summary is, will you be more committed to me than what I believe? Mm -hmm. And yes. that feels very Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Are you more committed to me than what I believe? Because the reality is, even with the faith deconstruction, even if I maintain right that faith or some belief in God, Maybe a lot of these other doctrines or politics or whatever. I mean, there's a whole host of things that maybe we used to agree on that I may walk out of this deconstruction process and I left those bricks behind. I don't carry them anymore. So do you still love me in the core of who I am? Do you love me more than where we agreed? Or were those deal breakers? Was it a more conditional love than I thought that what we had as opposed to that unconditional love that I would say that the example of Jesus pushes people towards. Yeah. Nicole, thanks so much for your wisdom and thanks so much for being a part of the restoration team. It's great to have you today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks you guys. And thanks for having me. Since you've been doing all of this work virtually, is there any crazy thing that has occurred on your Zoom calls? In the background, something falls off the wall, some loud noise. What's the craziest thing that's happened on Zoom for you? Um, the craziest thing that happened on Zoom for me was like, there was a period of time for maybe like a week or two where like, if I clicked, so if I had a pre-existing like Zoom link that I used every week with the client, right? So they had a weekly session. So sometimes if I would click on the link in a certain space, it would be totally fine. But sometimes if I would click on it in another space, so like versus like in the email versus in the calendar invite or whatever, then it would like take me into the call, but it wouldn't let me turn my camera on or something like weird. There would just be these weird glitches. I did have one time where my camera didn't turn on, but then I forgot that I, that was, a, that was a, my fault thing. I forgot that I had my camera on on my actual computer. So could turn it on on Zoom. We're yeah. all having crazy stories. It's fun to hear what yours is. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>